Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mora Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'll be with you for the next 25 minutes or so as we cover another interesting topic related to multifamily real estate investing. Today, we're going to make the case for passive investing. Now, let's start with some definitions, active versus passive. So active investing is where you as the investor are responsible for soup to nuts. It's all you. You're responsible for buying it. You own it. You're going to operate it. You're going to fix it when it's broke. You're going to finance it. You're going to take care of everything. Now, that doesn't mean you physically do all that, right? You may hire a property manager to do things for you or a handyman or a uh, 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 air conditioning guy to come out and... Uh, take care of your AC or a plumbing lady that's going to come fix your plumbing when you've got plumbing issues, but you're responsible for all of it. Passive investing, you are a limited partner or a member in an LLC. Effectively, though, you are along for the ride with a number of other people who have invested collectively, and there is a asset manager who takes on the responsibilities that I just described general partner, whatever term you want to use for those. So that's active versus passive. We're going to talk about the differences between the two of those. And I'm going to advocate for you to have at least some passive real estate investments in your portfolio. You might have all of your real estate holdings on the passive side. If you have all of them on the active side, I'm going to make the case for you to add some passive to that. For those of you that are sitting there thinking, well, that sounds very convenient for you. Mara Poling's in the passive real estate business. Of course, you'd like to advocate for that. And you're right. We certainly benefit from people making the decision to invest on the passive side, especially if they're going to choose to work with us. But that logic is actually backwards. We don't advocate for passive real estate investing because that's the space that we're in. We're in this space because passive real estate's a good place for people to invest. That's why we chose to get involved in the real estate uh, business, the real estate investing business in this particular manner. There's a lot of ways we could have uh, engaged, Bill and I. Uh, we chose to do this this way because passive real estate investing makes a lot of sense. So let's go through and talk about that. And again, just from a definition standpoint, if you go out and purchase a duplex and you go get a loan to buy it and you get some tenants and you go over when the hot water heater doesn't work and uh, you go mow the lawn on the weekend and when they move out, you not only work on getting the new tenant, but you go in and paint and fix it up and do all those things or you hire people to do all of that you're an active real estate investor. If you write a check to Mara Poling or to someone like us, and we go do those things, we go buy a property, we find tenants, we take care of maintenance, we do the turns, the uh, renovations, improvements, and so on, when tenants move out of those uh, units, then you're a passive investor, right? So that's just to frame all that. So let's talk about some of the differences. These are not in any particular order other than just how I wrote them down on my uh, sheet of paper here before I got started. Um, we're gonna start with risk. There is more risk 
as an active investor than there is as a passive investor. If you're an active investor, even if you structure the investment in an LLC and so on, you are going to be taking on more risk. If for no other reason than simply you have a small portfolio of assets, not as much diversification in terms of where you would put them and some geography issues. And we'll talk about both of those in a moment. In addition to that, your lending most likely is not non-recourse. That's one of the benefits that we uh, take advantage of in the commercial space is we use non-recourse debt, which limits the exposure we have to simply the assets that are inside the LLC. Uh, you may find yourself in a position where you're signing a note that puts potentially some of your other assets uh, at risk from that uh, standpoint. Um, uh, insurance provisions, a whole host of uh, factors. So there's more risk on the uh, active side than there is on the passive side. Let's talk about scale. Scale, a lot of these are going to tie back to that risk component, but scale's got some other issues with it. There is less scale generally for those of you that are just on the active side than if you're in a passive investment. So let's talk about what that looks like. If you invest $100,000 in real estate, and let's say that you do that actively, you go out, you're going to buy $250,000 worth of real estate. Now, depending upon where you live, which is effectively where you're going to be shopping for this, that might buy you a small condominium. It might not buy you anything, right? There might be nothing in your market for $250,000. It may buy you a small condominium all the way up through a single family home to it might buy you a duplex, right? It's all, all dependent upon what the uh, pricing looks like in your particular market. Obviously, if the prices are lower, so you could buy that duplex I described, your rents are going to be lower uh, as well. If you're buying a condominium, because that's all that you can get in that market, odds are the rents are going to be higher. Uh, there's going to be some relationship there from that standpoint. If you do that, your $100,000 is now dependent upon either one or maybe two units in terms of their occupancy in terms of the quality of those tenants, uh, and so on and so on. Uh, a lot more volatility in that kind of environment, hence risk uh, increased, uh, for a tenant to move out, a tenant to simply stop paying you and you have to go through the eviction process. You've got either 100% or 50% of your investment now tied up in a legal proceeding, as opposed to a passive investment with Mara Poling or someone like us, where you're going to own a piece of a 100 unit property or a 200 or a 300, or as is the case with the Mara Poling Total Return Fund, you're going to own a piece of one, two, three, four, five, six properties, right? So it'll be hundreds and hundreds, over a thousand doors. Um, those are the kinds of uh, scale you can get with a uh, limited partnership investment. And we're still talking the same $100,000 from, uh, from that standpoint. So there's absolutely more scale you can access in a passive investment. So uh, let me stop and just uh, say two things real quick. None of this is an argument to say you shouldn't have active investments. If you are up to the task of being that actively involved, go for it. It's a great way to get involved in the very beginning. Uh, if you 
just like being in real estate that way, absolutely have some active investments. That probably makes a lot of sense for many of you. It won't make sense for all of you. And even if you have an active portfolio, and I know some of you have rather substantial active portfolios, adding passive investments improves your risk, returns, and so on for the reasons that we're describing here. The other uh, point I wanted to make just real quick is uh, as you're going through here, some of you are going to be taking notes and you're going to say, oh, I got a question. Shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Go to the website, go to marapoling.com. The Learning Center has a lot of good material. By the way, I've seen the I've seen the mock-up of the new website and the new Learning Center. It's really exciting. Uh, I'm very eager for the team to get that rolled out. Uh, and go to the fund page at marapoling.com and you'll see a summary of the fund where we talk about things like scale and diversification and so on. Download the information kit that we have. There's some good material there that'll help you understand more of what a passive investment looks like and help you understand that difference between passive and active. Okay, so back to the list. Diversification, this goes back to obviously what I just described in terms of scale, but now we're talking about scale of properties. So if you buy a condo or a single family home or a couple of uh, attached properties, right? A duplex, well, they're, they're all in the same spot, right? You're not, you're not buying those in different submarkets or in different geographies because you're only buying effectively one for that $100,000 investment. Now, obviously, if you've got more money to put into this, if you can put a million dollars in, you can begin to get some uh, diversity. $100,000 invested in a product like the total return fund is going to get you four, five, six properties and those four, five, or six properties, while they're all going to be, in our instance, class B performing value add assets in solid growth markets, they're not all gonna be in the same neighborhood. They're gonna be in different locations. In some instances, they're gonna be in different markets and that geographic diversity uh, adds value as well. And every property just functions a little different, even if they're near each other, even if they're a mile away from each other, there'll be some differences in terms of how they how they operate. So having more properties increases your diversification, it lowers risk, it improves stability. Geography, so this is another component of diversification. If you are in a um, limited partnership, an LLC, a passive investment, like Mara Poling, where we have a portfolio of assets you're investing in, you're gonna have an expansive geography that you're invested in. Uh, our total return fund right now, for example, has assets in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, in San Antonio, uh, in Waco, uh, Texas. Uh, we have had, although do not have in the portfolio right now, assets in uh, College Station and in Houston. Uh, we're actively uh, looking at and acquiring assets in a number of other markets in the effectively the Texas Triangle. A lot of diversification in terms of being in those markets. And all of those markets are good quality markets. If you happen to live in Dallas and wanted to make an active investment, your $100,000 would simply go into one property relatively close to where you live because that's the challenge when you're an active investor is it's very difficult to invest 
in the market that the data says makes the most sense. You're going to end up investing in the market where you can actively manage it. And that's going to mean someplace nearby. Generally, our recommendation to folks is, uh, you know, within maybe 50, 60 miles of your home, someplace that you could drive to in an hour so that when you get off work one day or on a Saturday morning, you can hop in your car and go check out what's going on in your property because you're the one responsible for it. If you're, if you live in Las Vegas, Nevada, and you think, um, uh, Denver, Colorado is the place to invest, that's going to be really difficult to perform as an active investor. I know people that do it, it's a real challenge. So the geographic component is very limited if you're an active investor, much more expansive if you're investing on the passive side. Taxes, almost exactly the same, right? So we depreciate assets. You get write-offs for interest. You're realistically going to lose money for some period of time. When you begin to make money, those losses can potentially be carried forward uh, and offset those gains. You can 1031 in an active investment. Our, our fund, the total return fund, uses 1031s, so we 1031 for you, so you don't have that hassle. It provides the same benefit in terms of deferring those taxes. The difference, and it's potentially a difference that favors the active side is you may, and I underscore several times, may be able to apply your active losses to other income. That is absolutely something you should talk to your tax advisor about. I didn't tell you that you can do that. I said that might be something that could happen. So you need to go talk to your tax advisor and understand if that's a potential opportunity for you. A difference on the passive side is, and this goes back to scale, is because there's scale, we have the ability, because it's cost effective, to use some depreciation capabilities that are more advantageous, cost segregation being the primary one of those that increases our ability to depreciate the asset early in the hold period, increasing our losses, providing more shelter for the income that we do generate. Management, or what I would call the hassle factor. If you're gonna actively invest in real estate, then you're responsible for the management of that property. Yes, you can hire a property manager, and now you get to manage the property manager. It is difficult to be a property manager in this residential size space. So that's one units, two units, three units, four units. And the reason why is this, is in order to charge a reasonable fee, maybe 10% of the rent, you're gonna have to have lots and lots and lots of properties in order to be able to generate enough income to cover the cost of being in the property management business. So that property manager is either going to have to overcharge you to spend a considerable amount of time helping you and managing your asset correctly, or they're going to be spread pretty, th pretty thin. That's not their fault. That's just the economics of the situation. And there are good people out there that work real hard to do that work, and their time is spread across 20 different owners that they work with or 30 different owners that they work with and multiple properties. So your property simply won't get the attention 
that we give a property when you invest on the passive side. Even if it's just one asset, right? Even if you're just in an individual syndication, not in a fund, but even if you're in an individual syndication, at 100 units or more, you're gonna have on-site management. So this isn't somebody that drives by, this isn't somebody that is on call. There are staff people on-site during business hours to handle lease up, to process collections, to take care of any tenant issues that exist, to actively market your property, your investment, so that we can keep that flow of quality tenants coming in, to maintain the property, to deal with trouble tickets. All of those things are done by on-site staff. And as you get more scale, so 200 units, 300 units, 400 units, the staff gets larger and becomes even more advantageous because now you have individuals, for example, on the maintenance side, where instead of doing a little bit of everything and knowing a little bit about everything, you can have specialists, right? So you can have an individual that focuses more, for example, on uh, the heating and air conditioning uh, systems and, and the like. So absolutely less hassle, less oversight that you have to have in a passive investment. That's effectively the definition of active versus passive. That doesn't mean that you're in the dark. When you look at reporting, and, and this is gonna sound a little contrarian, when you look at reporting, our position is that passive is much better than active. Now, so you may be sitting there saying, well, wait a minute, how can active not be as um, successful, as uh, positive an impact as being in a passive investment? And I'm talking specifically more about working with us uh, with Mara polling in terms of the kind of reporting that we'll do. If you're in an active investment, you're responsible for your own reporting. I know that it's a challenge and relatively few of the individuals I've worked with that are active investors have the ability or can invest the time to generate the quality of reporting necessary to really be able to drill down and analyze how individual assets are performing such that you can then develop a strategy for how to improve performance. It may be that there's simply a snapshot that comes from the property manager, which is nothing more than, you know, here's how much rent we collected and here's, here's what this looked like. Uh, you know, we had a big expense come through this month or whatever it might happen to be. On the passive side, uh, we are able to provide very detailed reporting, individual line item analysis, benchmarked against a great deal of data in the marketplace to help us understand how this asset's performing relative to the rest of the marketplace and what might be able to be done to improve that performance. Even if it's really performing well, what can we do to improve that performance as we, um, as we go forward? So if you own active real estate, that's fantastic. If you own some passive real estate, that's great. If you don't own any passive, we would strongly encourage you to take a look at it. The final component that I would draw as a distinction between the two is this, and this may or may not apply to you, and I'm speaking now to, to you active investors out there. In my experience, when I speak with an active investor, whether it's uh, uh, one spouse in a marriage, 
where one individual in a partnership, whatever it might happen to be, when there's two human beings involved, whatever the structure of their life is, it is very common that one individual is excited, energized, draws great satisfaction from being an active investor. And the other individual in that relationship is less focused on it, maybe less interested, and in some interest instances, not interested at all, which doesn't necessarily create a problem today, but it creates a problem down the road. When the day comes that something happens to you, and if you're the active participant, uh, what's that other individual going to do when they inherit these assets, right? When your heir heirs inherit these assets? The answer most of the time from the people we talk to is you know, we'll just sell them. And that may or may not be the right time to sell them. Uh, it's certainly a challenge to do that. And now the people that are selling these assets are individuals that weren't involved in the acquisition or operations or management of them. And it's going to be more difficult for them to be able to do that. But they're going to have to do something because they've got to replace that role of the active individual managing this. An investment in a passive real estate investment like the Mara Polling Total Return Fund, as an example, when there's a, an, an event right, and an individual passes away, the estate, the heirs, they just keep getting their checks. The investment continues to grow. There's, there's nothing that those individuals have to suddenly learn how to do. They're protected by the passive nature of that investment. Step up in basis and all the other benefits that occur when an individual passes away, absolutely, those are on both sides. But the ability to make an investment that's going to survive you which is an important component of wealth creation. If you haven't uh, had a chance to, uh, to take a look at that, we've got several sessions in the past on wealth creation and uh, some material again at the Learning Center about that. To really optimize wealth creation, you wanna be able to hold those positions over a long period of time. And it's much more difficult to do that in the active space than it is in the passive space. So I hope, I hope this was of some value to you. Uh, if you have questions or your curiosity is piqued, give me a call, shoot me an email. As, as you all know, none of this is about selling any particular uh, investment. We wanna help everyone understand the multifamily real estate space as well as we can help them so that each of you can make informed decisions about how to invest your hard-earned money in the real estate space, whether it be in an active investment or in a passive investment with us, whether it be in an individual syndication or, or in a fund like the total return fund, whether it be an investment over a modest period of time like five years to 10 years, or whether it be a longer term investment with the intention of it being multi-generational and generating multi-generational wealth. All of those are the things that are available to you in this uh, space, this multifamily real estate investing space, uh, our goal is to help you learn more about that. So please shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. Visit the website, go to the Learning Center, stop by and look at the fund page. Again, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Please join us again next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented 
by Mara Poling. <laughs>